reading from the book of Sirach. Behold him in whose time the house of God was renovated, in whose days the temple was reinforced. In his time the reservoir was dug, the pool with the vastness like the seas. He protected his people against brigands and strengthened his city against the enemy. Like a star shining among the clouds, like the full moon at the holy day season, like the sun shining upon the temple, like the rainbow appearing in the cloudy sky. Verbum Domini. reading from the letter of Paul to the Galatians. Brothers, may I never boast of anything but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through it, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It means nothing whether one is circumcised or not. All that matters is that one is created anew. Peace and mercy 
on all who follow this rule of life and on the Israel of God. Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear the brand marks of Jesus in my body. Brothers, may the favor of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Verum Domini.
Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Mateum. On one occasion, Jesus spoke thus, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, to you I offer praise. For what you have hidden from the learned and the clever, you have revealed to the merest children. Father, it is true, you have graciously willed it so. Everything has been given over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son but the Father. And no one knows the Father but the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome, and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon your shoulders and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Your souls will find rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden Light. Verbum Domini. Today we celebrate the great solemnity of St. Francis. I'd like to welcome our local Franciscan brothers here in Birmingham who do great work with the poor uh, here in the city. St. Francis is uh, one of the most popular saints. He lived from 1181 to 1226. And this was a time of great change in the medieval period. There was a rising merchant class of which St. Francis' father was a part of. He was a cloth merchant, would travel all the way to France to buy cloth. Had a great love for the French culture and people and would name his son Francis after him, after that. He would have Benedictine monasteries that had risen up you know, for hundreds of years uh, preceding this time, but would be great sources of stability and Cities would actually rise up around the, the Benedictine monasteries. And, but this time of change now was there was greater travel because the Crusades had been going on and they developed more of a road system to gather people, to gather them in a crusade and, and go to the Holy Land, gathering armies, you know, created roads and allowed people uh, to travel more. And, there was also conflict between uh, the papal cities, the imperial cities. Assisi was a, an imperial city, and there was lots of conflict between neighboring cities and even between uh, the emperor, the kings of the time. 
So many people wanted freedom from the servitude of the feudal system. The rising merchant class gave them money. You know, coinage was developing and being used. You know, mercenary armies could now be formed and it wasn't, the protection wasn't needed as much. So there's maybe at the time a greater yearning for freedom. And I think one of the things obviously that people love about St. Francis is that even today, especially we under, under maybe different burdens, but is that freedom, that joy, that peace, the simplicity of gospel living. So St. Francis has this conversion experience. He was part of a crusade and traveled with them for a, a day and then was given this vision of you know, which, which is greater to serve the master or the servant. And he wanted to be a knight, wanted to do great things, but the Lord was telling him, serve the master, serve me. You know, make me primary in your life. He also had an experience with a leper out on the, the plains of Assisi that uh, was a, a messenger from the Lord for him. And this really called him to conversion. And he, he anguished a lot about what was God calling him to do. How was he to live this new life and even this reform of things around him? And it's debated about what passages he actually turned to in the Missal. He went to the Missal, which had the, the readings, the scriptures, and also the Mass prayers at San Nicolo. And some believe you know, that the, actually in Baltimore, there's the this missile that St. Francis used at a museum there in Baltimore. And so some believe he turned to Mark 10, 21, story of the rich young man. Jesus looks at him with love, tells him, go sell what you have, give to the poor, come follow me. Luke chapter 9, the sending of the 12, tells him, take nothing for the journey. And Matthew 16, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So he had the selling possessions, giving to the poor, evangelization, dependence on God. I heard a wonderful reflection on that sending out recently. So the priest was saying, you know, maybe the, the, the apostles in this case, or the, the 72 being sent out, maybe they were worried, oh, the Lord, if we're rejected, what if we won't have enough supplies for the way? And uh, this guy was, proposing this meditation, maybe Jesus said, well, I don't want you to worry about those things, so take nothing with you. You don't have to worry about losing it, right? <laughs> so have this detachment that we can depend on Christ. And of course, the cross. To be a disciple, we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. It is said that the saints are the true reformers in society, that they're guided by God's light, they're guided by the presence of God and his word. And St. Francis would see that presence in nature as well, and maybe one of the first to really articulate that, to see God's loving hand in the created world around him, and would see this brotherhood and sisterhood with other creatures. There were other heretical groups at the time trying to address issues but these two mendicant orders, the Dominicans and Franciscans, 
rose up during this time to be the, the true path of renewal. They relied on alms and went out evangelizing uh, the world around them. As I mentioned, they had the monastic movements at the time that even cities rose up around these great monasteries. They acquired property, riches, and structures, and they were great sources of learning, of science, of preserving culture and stability for the society, prosperity. But there was also temptations uh, for riches and things and to lose sight of the gospel. And they were accused of being detached from the life of the early Christians, and clerics especially were falling into worldly life. So the heretical groups would counter the bishop's ministry and promoted heretical doctrines. You had the Albigensians at the time. They had contempt for the material world, opposition to wealth, and eventually became opposition to all material reality, denial of free will even, and a dualism to see a, a second principle of divinity in, a, in, a, in an evil God. So that was a failed attempt to address issues of the day. St. Francis would write his rule and submit it to the approval of the church. So he would have that humility to practice obedience to be guided by the church and gospel living. As I mentioned, I think obviously the attraction for so many is his freedom, joy, and peace. You know, the gospel today tells us, you know, come to me, I will refresh you. Become like children that receive everything from the hands of our Lord to depend on him. And all renewal is centered on Jesus Christ, that he saves us through the cross, that Paul would tell us in the reading today from Galatians, that he's going to boast only in the cross. And that is the, the place of renewal. That, that's all that matters, he says. All that matters is that one is created anew. So that's happening through the cross. So St. Francis would embrace that cross in a particular way. In fact, the San Damiano cross, this, this beautiful cross, we have an image in our chapel here at the church of San Damiano. He'd be praying and anguishing, you know, what he's supposed to do with his life. And, and it came alive and told him, rebuild my church that you see is falling into ruins. And St. Francis at first took that to be a physical rebuild, but then obviously we need to first rebuild the church of ourselves, so to speak, that that renewal begins in each one of us personally. So that renewal comes to the cross. He himself had received the stigmata last two years of his life. He was so configured to Christ, so focused on that. And of course, when we go to focus on Christ, we focus on him and his word and the scriptures, and his rule is full, his admonitions are full of references to the scriptures, citations and things you can see. And in the Eucharist, in the first admonition, he wrote 28 admonitions for his brothers. The first one is, is about the Eucharist, and it's the longest, longest of the, of the admonitions. He would say that he comes to us in humble form, contemplate him with the eyes of faith, believe 
that the elements of the bread and wine are his, truly his body and blood, living and true, and that he would exhort them that Jesus is always with us, is faithful in the Eucharist. He would also give a, a beautiful praise of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He would use the phrase, Virgin Made Church. Virgin Made Church, that she is the first member of the church. She is the expression, the fulfillment of the church in her personally. So he had this great admiration, this respect, this devotion to her that she's the one he goes on the right, chosen by God to be his palace, his tabernacle, his home, his robe, his servant and mother. He fostered this great devotion to her. And then he would make the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, the first order to make all three. And he himself, in embracing that poverty that he saw in our Lord's life, who was the model of humility and humbling himself, becoming one of us, and becoming a lowly servant and suffering, and he would associate and serve the least, the lepers, the poor. And he would say, you know, in serving, and especially in the Eucharist, that he would see that, he would say, hold back nothing for yourselves, so that he who gives himself totally to you may receive you totally. So this renewal in Francis and the order would have such an impact on society, on culture, on art, and to get to the, the essence of the gospel, following our Lord, building community and obedience. He would form a third order for the laity that they were to live these counsels, not as vows, as religious do, but to live that spirit of detachment, that purity of heart, to be humble and obedient, that that is the true path of renewal. At St. John Lateran outside this great basilica, the original home of the popes, there's this wonderful statue, bigger than life size, of these Franciscan friars going to get approval of their rule. And it's quite a distance from Lateran, St. John Lateran, but it's, it's close enough that you get the connection. But they're approaching that, and, and Pope Honorius III, or Innocent III at that time had a vision of this little poor man going to prop up St. John Lateran with his shoulder that was crumbling. He had that vision before Francis got there, and, and he, the people with him, approved that rule that St. Francis would live and be such a source of renewal for the church. We're all called to imitate these themes in our life. That cross is what renews all, that connection to Jesus, that communion with him is the source of the renewal so needed today.